real estate is a business. You've got some, you've got some really strong multi-decade professionals that have been doing business, you know, a certain way. But you know, I've been in real estate long enough. I've seen it go, you know, where people talking about deals on the back of a napkin to the back of an envelope, you know, to a whiteboard to a smart board. But now you've got, you know, 3D holograms, and you've got, you know, we have a, we're we're engaged in a conversation uh, for a search for a spatial scientist. You know. <laughs> Um, so th- these are positions that literally didn't exist several years ago. And, you know, that's what our clients are looking at. This is the Providers, Properties and Performance podcast, the podcast that brings together leaders in healthcare and investment real estate to consider the possibilities in future at the intersection of practicing medicine and healthcare real estate investment returns. Welcome to the Providers, Properties and Performance podcast. I am your host, Trisha Talbot. As a healthcare real estate advisor to providers and investors, the best solutions occur when the two collaborate together as partners in delivering better patient care. Providers can deliver care to their patients when and where they need it, and investors realize the returns to build and manage facilities. We explore changes in medicine and wellness, the future of healthcare, and using real estate as a strategic and financial tool. In this week's episode of the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast, I welcome Kevin Jones, Managing Director and Real Estate Practice Leader at ZRG Partners, where he focuses on recruiting for the healthcare real estate sector. Kevin and I have a very interesting discussion on the role technology is playing in the healthcare real estate industry now for decision-making and combining the traditional way of doing business in commercial real estate, which is very boots-on-the-ground relationship-based and a a very human component and how he is recruiting for positions to fill at companies that can marry both. He introduces me to the concept of DQ for decency quotient that is in addition to IQ and EQ, which I find fascinating. And I hope you enjoy listening to our conversation. So Kevin, welcome to the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast. Hello, Tricia. Nice to meet you. So why don't we start the conversation with a little background about your company and the real estate practice that you're involved in? Sure. Thanks. So ZRGs, um, you know, honestly, it's an extraordinary firm. It, it's it's a firm that uh, if you haven't heard of, you know, the second that you learn about them, you wonder why you haven't heard about them. And, and then you'll hear about them in the in you know, in the next week or so. But, you know, we're we were probably ranked uh, two out of the last four years as uh, the fastest growing executive search firm in the world. And really the firm has, let's, let's put it in three buckets. You know, we're a strategic healthcare solutions provider. Uh, executive search is our core business. We've got on-demand uh, and interim uh, project type work, both individual and team development. And the third component is uh, just consulting. You know, the, the, the culture consulting is really where it starts, but it's uh, it's about developing efficiencies, uh, getting closer to aligning what your stated culture and what your day-to-day culture is. And those are the three core elements of our business. Uh, the firm, you know, we have 355 uh, plus people. Uh, we've done business in 35 countries. And I run the global real estate uh, executive search practice. And, you know, my real focus has been uh, North America over uh, most of my career. And that was one of the reasons I came to ZRG is to really try to understand and get a blueprint to how to build a, a global practice. In our real estate practice, we've got uh, people on the ground in Brazil, in the UK, in Dubai, and um, 
you know, we're continuing to build out those markets as well. And what is your background that brought you to ZRG? Sure. So I actually started in search right out of school. Um, and, you know, I, I came into, uh, you know, a contingency recruitment shop. So it was that, you know, they hired seven and only one person would make it. And, you know, happened to be that one. And frankly, I don't know how I felt when I realized that, but <laughs> Um, that that's how I started in the business, you know, just the hard knocks, uh, sharp elbows business. And, and that, of course, evolved uh, to uh, doing just retained executive search, kind of climbing a ladder to do more senior level searches where, you know, now our business is focused on the C-suite and, you know, meaning positions that report into the C-suite, as well as, you know, the board and the board services that uh, the C-suite report to. Uh, and I've always done commercial real estate. So that's, you know, that's why I know the sector so well. It's been over 25 years. And, you know, beyond executive search, I've, uh, you know, had opportunities and successes to be able to, you know, I'll call it to create strategic introductions. And, you know, we're not investment bankers, but we've been able to match companies and capital. We've been able to match uh, pipelines and developers. So, you know, our, the, the skill set goes beyond executive search, but you know that's the core business. And some, some other opportunities happen just through those relationships. Well, I was reading your bio and you studied uh, behavioral psychology, which um, I'm sure you draw on that for both recruiting and advising on healthcare real estate trends. And personally, and parenting. Yeah. yeah, it comes in handy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted uh, to Oh, yeah. sorry. Go ahead. No, that was okay. it. Thanks. Uh, yeah. uh, well, I wanted to touch on um, start with the technology and how it's changing in commercial real estate. How firms are leveraging that, you know, into their underwriting, um, even using AI. And for healthcare real estate, you know, it, it talks about how they, you know, they put all of their investment requirements in, and then you know, it spits out some data. But for healthcare real estate, other than, you know, price and return and all of those, what do you think are some other requirements that are being put in that melting? Yeah, that's a great question. And and, uh, clearly, you know, the topic right now, Tricia, you know, if we were talking about this a year ago, you know, there was a lot of talk about prop techs and, you know, the value of technology. Real estate historically has been a laggard in terms of uh, utilizing the technologies available. And, uh, you know, in the last 12 months, uh, you know, whether it's driven by COVID or just, you know, the, the more sophisticated business that real estate's become, uh, the technology component is the driver. And I think that's going to be the driver of 2022. And it touches so many aspects. You're right. You, you know, you're talking a little bit about the AI investing where, you know, creating al- algorithms where you can go in and essentially look for uh, buy sell points, uh, you know, what markets what asset types to be into. And, and that's really valuable. But, you know, there, there's so much because real estate has been slow to adopt. There's just so much involved there. You know, the, the Realcom conference was uh, last week and that's a real estate, you know, technology conference. And, you know, I, I haven't validated this, but they, they were talking about five to 600 new prop techs developed. So you have a lot of uh, new technology coming at real estate. And it's everything. And that's just not commercial. It's residential too. I'd say 25% of that number is going to be touching residential, re- residential single uh, family, not multifamily. And, you know, the, the, the impact is, is going to be tremendous. There's, 
there's maybe two schools of thought, right? Of let's just use technology as best we can or say we use it and advertise that we use it, but we're still, you know, doing business the same way we've done five to 10 years ago. Uh, but right now there's such a push. I mean, it's not just automation, but it's it's AI. It's how, how people approach the business. Um, you know, within the last week, we've started searches that's a, a head of innovation and technology for a $30 billion um, institutional real estate investor. And we're working with a prop tech that's focused on automating a mortgage process and being able to do that online. So, you know, it's, it's both, right? It's the old guard that's really adopting new mentality, uh, new thought process and and not just trying to adopt technology, but devour technology and consume it and make sure that, number one, they're very competitive, but also, you know, it becomes a recruitment tool, right? If, if you're looking at a next generation of recruitment, you need to be sophisticated and have a technology platform that that is more than just for show. You know, it needs to be integrated into your daily access. And that plays to, you know, all the property companies with you know the hybrid work environments i mean there's so many changes that's happening and that's part of the solution of this hybrid you know back to work work from home balance is technology and i i think that's what happened there's so many companies were exposed during covid that they talked about technology and they thought they had technology but when it came down to it they you know, they were underserved and underutilized on the technology piece. Well, since you began your career in healthcare, real estate, technology must be revolutionizing the pace of play and just in the speed of information gathering, um, you know, just in transaction side from site selection to negotiations and, you know, even contracts. I mean, just having to previously send them through fax. <laughs> and now, and now if you don't have DocuSign, you know, people start getting annoyed. Like they don't want to schedule a time to meet with you. And, and uh, I think, you know, and all of that, but I don't know what you, you think, but I, I mean, I think it's just going to even get faster. It, yes. It, and it's going it, to, it's going to be exponential, I think in the next 12 months because of the focus and more so the investment, there's a tremendous investment in real estate technology and, you know, in all markets, it's a global push. It's not just the U.S., um, and it's it's touching every aspect of the business, not just site selection and uh, expediting lease uh, signatures, but it, it's it's how people are approaching the business. And you know, there, there's a real component because real estate is a business. You've got some you've got some really strong multi-decade professionals that have been doing business you know, a certain way. But, you know, I've been in real estate long enough. I've seen it go, you know, where people talking about deals on the back of a napkin to the back of an envelope, you know, to a whiteboard, to a smart board. But now you've got, you know, 3D holograms and you've got, you know, we have a, we're, we're engaged in a conversation uh, for a search for a spatial scientist, you know? <laughs> um, so th these are positions that literally didn't exist several years ago. And, you know, that's what our clients are looking at. You know, they want to, there's a science to, to the built space and there's, they're trying to capture that. So that's where the industry's uh, heading. And, you know, I'd say the part of the industry is already there. Well, and what do you say? Because, I mean, there is the technological side when, you know, you're looking for a deal. And once you have a deal, you can try to automate processes. But, you know, real estate does have some 
like you said, some deep seated roots and relationships. If a property isn't over leveraged and an owner doesn't have to sell, they don't have to, you have to meet with them and try to convince them, um, you know, and sometimes it's not just about the money for them. So how do you think it's going to affect that part of the business that I, I don't think is going away? Yeah. The, the face-to-face, the relationship. Look, I, I agree with you. Uh, this is, that's still a core component. You know, technology won't change uh, the fundamentals of an asset. It, you know, it, you could just see, you, you could get clarity on it, but it won't change the fundamentals. Right. If a property's over leveraged, you know, technology isn't going to save you from that, um, you know, and, and it might make access to capital so easier that it becomes an issue in and of itself. But the relationship part, you know, in real estate and like so many businesses, you know, executive search is a perfect example of the business. You know, I remember decades ago, monster.com was going to, you know, get rid of search and in LinkedIn and, you know, LinkedIn's a strong tool, but now it's overpopulated and it's just like a you know electronic classified ad if you're posting a position. So you know those the technology piece is important. The relationship piece will just won't go away. And there are companies out there, you know, and we see that. You know, we're we're embedded in the culture of our clients, and frankly, our you know the companies that we're recruiting from. You know, we're we understand their cultures as well. And there is strong commitment to relationships. People still want to do business with the people they've been doing business with, they're, that they're very comfortable and they trust. Uh, and there is a component, and we're seeing it, some companies just are so calculus-driven versus culture-driven. And, you know, it's not bad, but you really need to make sure that you've got culture, you know, and calculus right now. And I think you've got to focus on, not just your existing relationships, but how to build relationships. You know, there's a skill set involved. Some people that have been in a business for a long time, a real estate's perfect example. You know, they've got 20, 20 close business associates, but they've never developed the skill set of how to take that 20 and leverage it to 40, 60, 80. And that's that's really, you know, as, as important as technology is, that skill set of leveraging relationships of uh, being able to create and build a network versus just work with the same people all the time. That's, that's a great skill set. And that's, that's a little bit lost with a focus on technology because people just think that it's all about the, it's only fundamentals and it's all about cap rates and it either works or it doesn't. But Trisha, you're in healthcare real estate. That's a very collegial business. It's a collegial sector. And Everybody, there's a, you know, there's an old school, even though it's a young sector, there's an old school healthcare real estate, you know, of, of people that have been in the space for, uh, you know, 10 plus, you know, 10 to 20 years, I'll, I'll say, yeah. uh, 10 to 15 years, maybe, but, you know, and they like to do business and, you know, they're, they're um, leery of the new players that are coming in and the new brands that are coming in and all the capital coming in overseas. So, you know, technology doesn't solve all those problems, but, you know, the relationships still matter. Absolutely. Well, I want to flip over to recruiting for this uh, this industry. So, you know, you have commercial real estate industry that, yeah, as you mentioned, is a slow adopter and you've got the old guard that is used to doing things a certain way. And then you have the healthcare industry, which is a mix of clinicians, healthcare companies, hospitals, both 
profit, not-for-profit payers, medical device companies, and an academic system that's necessary to support it and rising costs that no one has a silver bullet to solve. And then yeah. you have um, this healthcare real estate industry that's a niche created to provide you know, financial and facility solutions for, the, for medical services. So I see a lifetime of solutions to address more questions than we have answers for, mm. but how do you find the talent that can be successful in this changing you know, wave that is coming, whether we want it to or not. Yeah, that's that, that's the big question, right? I mean, uh, you know, in my business, we love, you know, we, we love the articles and the headlines that say talent wars, right? I mean, that's uh, that's good for business. Um, and, and look, I, I look at search too. Um, you know, the technology is is great. You know, our firm, ZRG, we're, we're data-driven. We are technology-enabled. And, you know, we leverage both of those pieces to do our jobs better. But there's still a human assessment, right? I mean, we're, we're in the people, the, the ultimate people business. <laughs> so we're still uh, assessing talent. You know, that's not just all done with algorithms. So, you know, you can get, a, you can get insights. Um, you're able to, you know, I, I find a lot of the assessments, you're able to ver- verbalize that gut feel, right? It's like, yeah, something doesn't feel right. And then as you read a report, maybe, or an assessment, you're able to verbalize that. So it's, it's really helpful. But when it comes to recruitment and search, you know, I, I still go back and I think it's, you know, I think it com- it starts pre-research, pre-outreach with just really understanding the position. You know, it, it's not always just looking for a title in, a, in an asset type, but every company, there's a, there's a nuance in every position and you really need to you know, it's a practice skill set of just really understanding and listening to three people talk about a new position and look for where they're consistent and look for where they're inconsistent, you know, and, and that's where you're going to find the nuances of what they're really looking for when it comes down to four finalists, you know, who's, in, and they all look similar on paper, you know, who's that best person? And that's still a human functionality. You know, it's not a keyword search. Uh, but it is a human assessment, you know, of who's the right person to fit here. You know, we can, you know, we've we've got a company uh, that we acquired called Walk the Talk in the UK, and they're they're continuing to grow into the US, and it's a culture-driven business. And and they're they're incredibly strong at assessing cultures and then building on the culture that works. And then creating accountability to the culture, you know, it's a great process. And it's, you know, they're tech savvy, uh, a tech savvy company. But at the end of it, it's still that human connection in terms of these are the people that work here. And these are the people that fit. And these are the people that don't quite fit, but they but they can get up to speed. You know, it's not it, not everybody is just, you know, yes or no. There's a lot mm-hmm. of gray area when you come to that. Yeah. Well, um. I'm going to move now to the Q&A to get to know a little bit about you. Hmm. So uh, what was your first job? Yeah, so <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> I started in search right out of school. So my, my tech first real job, you know, uh, was in recruitment. And as I'd mentioned, you know, it was... Um, you know, grinding the phone. I had every U.S. Um, area code memorized because it was it was just that you would just crank the phone. You know, um, but you know, as a kid, I'd worked for a caterer, and uh, you know, I always always liked that. It was uh, it was pretty fancy caterer, and we would work these uh, big affairs, and you know, it, it it was hard work, but it was also customer facing, and 
you know, it was, it taught me, um, you know, a lot about that white glove service, you know, that people talk about and we, we, we technically and literally wore white gloves. So <laughs> I kind of get the meaning there. And it was, uh, you know, it was project oriented too. You know, you would start at 2 p.m. and start setting up and then close it down at 2 a.m. And, uh, you know, there was a great sense of accomplishment, just A to Z in running that whole affair. So that was my first job. And, you know, obviously, like, like most people, I still um, think about it and I still apply it to what I do on a regular basis. Yeah, no, that's great. I think uh, I think learning the service industry is is great. It, it just helps you get a a perspective on um, you know dealing with people and all different kinds of people. Yes, yeah, and yeah, and thinking on your feet and working as a team and carrying your weight. You know, you know, I I also learned there's know your place. You know, I was <laughs> uh, you know I was I was wasn't part of the party. You know, I was. <laughs> serving the party. And, you know, that's, uh, and I say that with humility, but you do, you, you learn your place and how to fit in. And, and that's really important too. Yep, definitely. What would you be doing for a living if you were not working in the healthcare real estate industry? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, in search, you know, a lot of, I think the approach to, to my business and in so many businesses, not all businesses, solving other people's problems, right? There's something that's kind of easier to solve someone else's problems. You have clarity, you have solutions, you get excited about it. You know, you're not overly emotionally attached to that problem, which makes you, you know, better, better uh, capable of, of solving it. So I, I think I'd be doing something where I'd be solving someone else's problems, you know, and um, I, I couldn't tell you what that would be. I've been doing this too long to <laughs> think about any other career, really. <laughs> <laughs> I have no creative uh, gifts that are just inherent that I'm, you know, I, I'm not secretly a musician or an artist. Uh, so I, I, I lack that depth of creativity. That's mm. funny. What are, who are you reading to reading or listening to right now for news information or inspiration? Yeah. Um, I'd say my news is from, you know, Michael Shane, Colin Jost from SNL, you know, <laughs> Um, I, I try to avoid the, uh, you know, the more serious uh, people that take it uh, also seriously. Um, you know, I, my, my reading, you know, I, I've always liked Joseph Campbell. There's a guy, Michael Neal, that I read, you know, I think, uh, I, I think that's pretty strong. You know, I like podcasts and you know, I'm getting into things you should know, things you should have learned in high school, things that, you know, I'm always astonished that I had no idea about that. <laughs> So that's probably what drives me is, you know, it's not greater knowledge. It's more basic knowledge that I crave, you know, yeah. and knowledge that I think I should have known, but for whatever reason, I just didn't know about it. You know, and I, 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 I was inspired. I saw this documentary on World War II and uh, I was amazed at just how little I knew about it. You know, mm -hmm. it, was, it was insulting <laughs> to anybody involved of just, and it was, it was a spectacular documentary and, um, you know, it made me realize what else don't I know about? And turns out there was a lot. So mm -hmm. um, that's what I like to pursue right now. And, you know, I'd say in my free time or, free, you know, free podcast listening. Nice. What is one thing you do every day for healthy self-care? Mm -hmm. I walk my dog. Um, that's, uh, that's great. 
you know, it's interesting. So recently I got an Oculus, the virtual reality, uh, and it's awesome. It's, you know, you've got to do a deeper dive and really use the the tool for what it's got versus just games or uh, golf. But, uh, you know, I've I've been probably using that too much every day, Uh, but it's really, it's really a great tool and it's uh, really a lot of fun. Everything from exercise to meditation to, you know, learning new things, you you can do it all right within those uh, goggles. It's fascinating. So, oh, that's nice. My kids have one. I have not used it yet. I'll have to. You should try, try it. it. Yeah. <laughs> that's where I started too. My, my son who's older, his company gave them out to, you know, part of their team. And I tried it. I, I took it off and ordered one. I mean, I was, <laughs> I, I was hooked immediately. So nice yeah. to try it out. Yeah. All right. I'm going to love your answer to this. Um, are leaders born or trained? <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a fair question to ask me, right? Uh, based on my business, I would say this. You know, when I think about that, and and that's that's not an easy. You know, it'd be easy just to say one or the other, but of course it's not. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think leadership, right, and achievement. It starts with appetite. You know, what's somebody's appetite to lead and to achieve and become? You know, great producers. It, it boils down to ambition and appetite, I think, more so than genetic qualities or even intellect. You know, all, all those things are great tools that are needed. But if you don't have the appetite to, to do something great with, with what you've got, and that's all we've got is what we've got, um, and it doesn't matter whether you're born or, or learning about it. Uh, leadership is, is a really unique thing where there, there's, a, there's a menu of skill sets that are needed. Um, and, you know, it's not just, um, you know, somebody that's born lucky or somebody that's born intelligent. I mean, certainly being smart, being engaging, being compassionate, you know, those are all elements that we're not necessarily, we're born, born with some of it, but not all of it. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I always compare intellect to height, you know, so I'm I'm 5'11 and you know I can get on my tiptoes or slouch but I'm still 5'11. You know an intellect is like that. You know you've got what you've got um and it's what you do with it, you know. Do you do you build on it or do you just um slouch, you know? Mm-hmm. And and though that's uh that's how I approach the you know the nur- nature versus nurture elements because everybody's got great gifts and some people have more than others or more obvious gifts than others but um it's about what you do with what you got more mm-hmm. so than, than that. And, and the other thing too, you know, w- when it comes to leadership, you know, what I've found too, and what, what we're talking about more as a firm and with our clients, you know, um, IQ and EQ, you know, we're just big components, right? And you've got to have that balance. You've got to be smart. You've got to be compassionate. And, and that's, that's become a given, right? I don't think that's, that's insightful. The piece that we're looking at and we're talking to our clients about, and, and this comes with cultures, you know, it's called DQ, which is a decency quotient. And, you know, there needs to be, well, there is a focus on decency, right? And this isn't just professional, it's personal, it's, you know, it's every aspect of our lives, you know, whether we're walking through a store, or, you know, walking into a meeting, but there's a decency quotient. And I think people are, uh, becoming more aware of that and recognizing, you know, who fits into their quotient of decency and who doesn't it becomes very obvious after a couple of minutes. And, uh, you know, I think we're building teams and we're building businesses 
using that element, that decency quotient, more so than the IQ than, than ever before. And I, I think that's what companies are craving. When you, when you look at your leader, regardless, and we all have some, you know, whether it's a board or whether it's a boss, you know, if, if that person's bringing that decency quotient to the, you know, to the party, all those other elements, you know, you can work through. I mean, you need competency, you need depth, you know, you need sincerity. Um, and I won't say those are assumed, but, you know, those are all learnable and teachable and coachable. But the decency piece is, you know, if you don't have it, you probably aren't aware that you don't have it. And that's, <laughs> that's the, pro- therein lies the problem, right? Yeah. yeah so. I like that. Oh, that's great. I, I, this is the first I've heard of a decency quotient. I'm going to look that up now. Yeah. My partner, uh, Vikash had told me about it. So uh, I've got to give him uh, uh, acknowledgement on that. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, Kevin, thank you very much for your time. This has been a great interview. I appreciate it. My pleasure, Tricia. I'm grateful for you tuning in to the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast with others. As a disclaimer, this podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only and not intended for specific real estate investment advice.